0: here tonight i pray that god has already blessed your soul and if he hasn't just hang on a little bit and maybe he will I'll share with you tonight some old familiar scripture found in saint john the 13th chapter and the 34th and 35th verse i'm going to be talking about tonight Love and has its meaning been changed? Because if love was what love was supposed to be in the world, it would be a vastly different world. And if love was the way it was supposed to be in hearts, it'd be vastly different people. Yes. And if love was the way it was supposed to be in church, it'd be vastly different churches, yes. and different congregations. Oh, my. Just to let the love of God emit from us. Oft our ideas, our idiocracies, and idiosyncrasies, traditions get in the way of love. And when it does, that destroys the reality of love in our life. And love can't reach. Love needs to have its perfect way. Yes, Let's can. just read quickly. Jesus speaking. says, a new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Let's go over that again. A new commandment. That's something Jesus is saying. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another by this that's by loving one another as Jesus has loved this us shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another and I was amazed at how often love was interjected into those scriptures mm-hmm. seems like he just Uh, repeated himself, reiterated over and over different different things, looked like he could have said it in a more simpler way but yet I think he wanted to give us a message here and stress the importance of love. Now we have lived almost 2,000 years since Jesus gave this message and he was giving it to his disciples and to our sorrow. TV and movie industries have taken the word love and have changed its entire meaning. Yes. All you have to do is turn on your television and soap operas are obsessed with it. Come on. It's love in marriage. It's love outside of marriage. It's love in the morning. It's love in the afternoon. It's love in the evening. It's love any time in any way. But the tragedy of all of this is there is almost no love in anything that they portray only lust and this has led our generation down a long long path of degeneration because it has not been instilled in hearts and by those in authority used to be school teachers would feel they had a responsibility to show love and to show God Used to be our leaders felt like they had that responsibility, and used to be parents took that responsibility as one of the greatest they had to be able to show their offsprings what love is. But it's been lost. And love has been or lust has been inserted in its place. Now love and lust may be similar in appearance, but they're as different as they can be, so very different in nature. Lust is concerned with me, what I can get, what good is going to do me, and love is concerned always with someone else. So if there comes a time when we don't know if we're loving or lusting, if we're loving God or lusting after the things of this world, remember, lust is concerned with you. I mean, right now, get, get what you can. I want it, so I'll get it. And love is always concerned with someone else. Lust is getting, love is giving. Lust thinks only of its own happiness and love takes always of the happiness of others. And the word love has little meaning these days, little more meaning than an emotional or physical sensation. Something that makes you feel good. That's what our generation seems to go on and it's the common consensus if it feels good, do it. And they do it sometimes in the name of love. Over and over, over almost 30 years of ministry and in counseling, we hear such things from couples that come as, we're going to get a divorce. We're not in love anymore. And I struggled with that for a long time. And finally, I began to realize I need to ask them a question. I need to find out if they really know what love is. And what their marriage is based on. So the number one question I usually ask them is, how do you know that you're not in love anymore? And the common answer is always the same, because we can't feel it. And therein lies the answer. We've been made to believe that love is nothing more than an emotional feeling. But that's not so. First and foremost, love is a deep, deep, deep commitment. Right, And a commitment is far more than just an, an emotional feeling, something that makes us feel good. That's why a lot of Christians come in in the emotional tide of revival, and they've come in under emotionalism, and have never had a deep, deep commitment to Christ, and have never really learned how to love Jesus. Right. Yet yeah, can, you can last for a little while on emotionalism or on uh, desire or lust, But that won't last long. Love is forever. It stays there. And it grows daily if we'll just allow it to. Now the foundation stone of all human relationships have been undermined. We've been led to believe that love is little more than an obsession with sex. We've been encouraged to build a relationship on the me syndrome. When me is not happy, then me is convinced that me is no longer in love and me seeks to find that missing ingredient somewhere else. I think you'll find tragedy in homes. Homes have split wide apart. Children have been left to fend for their own. They, they, they have uh, been left with a home that is not united whatsoever. And like a cancer, the me syndrome is eating away at the vitals of our marriage, eating away at the vitals of our home, and eating away the vitals of our country. Love is being hailed, and I've noticed this, by boys and girls who can barely spell the word, and they don't have the foggiest idea what it really means. And tonight I would like to set forth something. To understand the true meaning of love, we need to understand how God defines it. Come on. You're never going to know the true meaning of love unless you decide and find out how does God define love. And it's in the Bible that tells the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Right now, Christ didn't give Himself for the church in an, amiss- uh, in an emotional tide that swept over Him. Of course, that emotion soon died. That's right. And there wasn't anything there to comfort Him whatsoever, or to stay with Him. But He had a deep, deep commitment. To the church. Right. And that's what Christ is asking husbands as well as wives. You know, with the emotional sensation. I think sometimes that carries us perhaps into marriage. We feel a newness. There, there's something bright about it. But friend, if there's not a commitment, a deep commitment, then it never lasts. Right. Uh, marriage based upon lust is one that is subject to be splintered almost at any time. Come on. And I think perhaps we have produced, in a sense, a generation just like this. Because they have not have love explained to them. They don't know what love really is. And they confuse it with lust and try to build their life, as well as their marriage, on that. Now God's definition of love is written in blood. And all we have to do is look at the mangled body of our Lord Jesus Christ as He hung on the cross. All we've got to do is transport ourselves back and in our mind's eye, if we will, watch Jesus as he begins his agony along the road of Via Dolorosa. As he begins to be hip, smitten by sadistic fists of mankind. As he brutally beaten and as blood runs from his back from the awful cap of nine tails. And a cross is thrown upon his back, and it's too heavy for him. And he's almost ready to succumb there, but love pushes him on. Love begins to motivate him. Had it been lust or emotionalism, he certainly would have fell, faltered, and decided it wasn't worth it. But a deep commitment is what he had to the church. A deep commitment is what he had to humanity. A deep commitment is what he had for you that are sitting here tonight. A commitment of love. Him so much that he was willing to give it all that you might be able to have life and have it more abundant. That you might feel a freedom. That's a change of bondage fall off of you and you feel for the first time a freedom and a cleanness within your soul because his blood washes you clean. Yes. That's love. Yes. That's commitment. that God made. me. That's a sacrifice that he gave far superseding the lust in which man tries to build his trades upon. Right. A love of God. Its meaning has right. been changed by the world but as far as God is concerned it is still love that has a deep commitment had caused Jesus to continue on, had caused him to hang just a bare three feet between heaven and earth, and their suffering and agony, with the choice of being able to invite legions of angels, solution from the cross. And I'm sure in this human mind, for he was just as human as he was divine, yeah. Yeah. had cross within his mind, why don't I call for help? Why don't I call for help? And in his appeal of emotionalism, perhaps he could. And love, a deep commitment, had already settled over him, and he knew what his job was. He knew why he's nailed there, and it was the nails that held him, and it was his love for humanity that kept him there. And if we, some way with our minds, eye could stand there beneath the cross and listen to his cries of agony as he begins to be concerned with. People that are around him, and others the seventh cry, right. and others the last two cries, and finally lifting himself up from that zigzag position, that's typical of a man dying now on the cross, fills his lungs with air, and with one lasting, hoarse, gasping breath says, "It is finished, Father." And to the hand, I commend my spirit, and it was love that had him to do that. Yes, we need to consider. Tonight, what love really is. And in doing this, it would be nice if we would ask ourselves a question. Do we love one another as Christ has loved us? Oftentimes we wonder why Christianity is not marked. Oftentimes we wonder why people can't sense or know that we are Christians. After all, we say, have we not been washed by His blood? After all we say, for the most part, especially in Pentecostal realms and other denominations, do we not speak in tongues? Do we not have the Spirit? It would seem as if by that, and by speaking in tongues, that certainly people would know that we are disciples of Christ. That Christ made it greater than that. He made a sit upon something that the world cannot give. Now the devil can counteract. And he can bring uh, what would you say, uh, a false thing. That's not the word I'm wanting to use. And he can bring a synthetic thing in and something to take away some everything that the church has got but the love of God. That's right. He cannot do that. There is no counterfeit for the love of Almighty God. And Jesus knew that. And because he knew that, he said, I'm going to give you another commandment. And I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's the way you love one another. And by this will people know that you are my disciples. There's no taking God's love. Oftentimes it's been trying. And, and you see it. And oftentimes we say, well, look at the miracles that's happening. And miracles are fine. And they are by the hand of God. And God didn't say these miracles would show people we love Him no. or that we love one another. He said it simply had to be love. Yes. It had to be boiled down to yes. love. Because in the last days, there's going to be false prophets and false individuals. The Bible says working miracles. Right. And the only way we're going to know that it is, it's the love of Almighty God. Amen. If we do not have, if we have not learned what it's like The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now when you look at that, that's quite a statement. In that while we were yet sinners, now then it would be easy for us to do something for a righteous man or to love a righteous man. But He says Christ loved or God loved when we were yet sinners, He died for us. Now, love, when it all boils down to it, is a matter of will more than it's a matter of emotions. We can will to love, or we can will not to love. That's why God commanded us to love our neighbor, and he goes farther than that. He says, you even have to love your enemies. I find that humanly impossible, but I don't find it divinely impossible. For God did not set a commandment there and said we had to do it without inserting inside of man something that would give him the ability to do it, and that's his spirit. Through his spirit and his spirit alone are we able. We're capable of doing both. We can either love or by an act of will we cannot love. Mm -hmm. How many of us sometimes have simply decided we cannot like Or we cannot love that individual. We decide we can't. Oftentimes there's just just, uh, something that's thrown against you. You, You're just on sight you don't like that individual. And you decide you don't. It's not something that comes from within. Because Christ's spirit doesn't work that way. And you decide you don't like him. And then the first thing you know you're worshipping with them. You're watching them. And you're rubbing shoulders with them. And finally you decide that it is possible that you can love them also. You see, you are willing to love. We can give or we can withhold our love from whomever we choose. When we love someone, it's because we choose to do so. And when we fail to love someone, it's because we choose not to. I've had people in church to say, I just simply can't love that individual. Well, you can it has to be your choice, though. And you can choose to do it. And the cross of Christ towers over the ages as the ultimate symbol of love. If you know what love is, want to know what love is, what it entails, that it is giving and not giving, all you've got to do is go to that old Sunday school scripture that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There's one that says, Though he was rich, yet he became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. Christ looked down one time at man's plight, and seeing the wages of sin was death, he said, These words, I'll die in his place. Now that's love. And when we measure our love by that love, which we have to do, we have to be willing to die in man's place, and be willing to give our life, if we would save the life of someone else. Jesus made a statement Said foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He did all of this because he loved. The startling thing about it was he loved before he ever saw. His love did not just stand for 10 years. It did not just hold true for 15 years or even for a generation. His love has held fast. For 2,000 years and will hold until he comes back again. Glory, God. That's the ultimate symbol of love. Only when we are willing to give our money, our pleasure, our ambitions, our way, our will, our time, and our life for someone else are we demonstrating love at its finest. I remember. In the years that I was so sick, and the doctor said that I was going to die, and my wife and I got together and decided it would be best if she went to nursing school so she would be able to uh, support herself and not have to scrub floors in order to make a living. I watched her leave the house and drive 70-some-odd mile one way to go to school with 14 teenagers at home. I watched her leave the house with her books under her arm to go someplace that I knew in my heart that she would rather be at home doing what a wife is supposed to do than to be driving 70 miles and going to college in order to get a registered nurse's degree. And then, as I considered that and watched her do that, and then watched her come home and burn the midnight oil, having Settled the teenagers in, solved their problems, and uh, me giving as much help as possible, which was very little, and then sitting down at the table when everybody else was in bed and beginning to get her lessons, when I knew that she would rather come to bed with me and enjoy the blessings of God, I had to realize that what she was doing was out of love and out of consideration for me as well as for my children, to know that they would have livelihood, that they would have someone to support them until they got married. Friend, in a sense, what I'm trying to say is this what it, this is what love will do. Love will reach out and give. It's not always commanding that, that you give, give to me, that you get. It is reaching out and saying, I'll give it because I love somebody else, because I love my family. That's love of family. And then the times that she's given our life, and when God has healed me also, when God dealt with us of just giving our lives, when we could have had security, when we could have sat in the realms of our own home, and we still could, come April, I could walk right back in to the First Apostolic Church in Rosiclair, Illinois, where there's 150 members, and I can draw twice as much or three times as I'm getting here. And friend, it's what God puts inside. It's what God says. It's love, friend, that reaches out. And I don't understand it, and I can't explain it, and I have experienced it. I know what it's like, and I know what it'll for me. Lust would reach out for what I could give there. Love is saying, give all you've got, and I will bless you for. And I think God doesn't demand that of me alone. I think he's demanding that of every one of us that's here. As far as the world is concerned to the world too. And I'm talking to you. The sheep of this pastor. And the sheep of this congregation. You see it's easy to say I need. It's easy to say I must have. And look around us. We're surrounded with things we don't need. We're surrounded by useless things. And in doing this, our salvation our love has disintegrated to our little religiosity. Where it satisfies us to come to the house of God and set in the pew and feel the Spirit every once in a while run up and down our spine and be forgotten a commitment that Christ made for us and one that He is asking that we make for Him. And He said, the only way you can love me it's to love your fellow man. That's the only way it can be done. And that's a different type of thing from what's portrayed on TV. That's right. You ever watch it once in a while? Just look at it once in a while and it's always what I can get. If my mate is not supplying it, it'll be fine. I'll get it somewhere else. And that's lust. Fulfill my emotion. And that's our generation. And you know why? Because the powers of hell have come in to destroy first home. Because if it can destroy the home, it can destroy the church. And if it can destroy the church, it can destroy the nation. That's right. The only reason Somebody said and wrote a book that if God doesn't judge the United States of America, He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the only reason that God doesn't judge our wealthy nation and it's going down here is because there is a church. There is a group of people from every denomination that has decided they love God and is going to give everything they can to God and they stand between this world, this nation, and God in his wrath, and hold God's wrath back. And then let's continue to do that, that we might be able to see a revival might be able to like that that we've never saw before. And Fred, we're on the verge of something I sometimes want to stand on tiptoe and say, God, I'm ready for it, I'm waiting for it. I need it to happen. I'm afraid it's ready to spring forth, but not until God's people from every place can realize that love is not giving or giving; love is giving. Oh, God! Hallelujah! Glory! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory! Glory! Praise your name! All you see, members carrying on an affair one with another. Loose living, illicit relationships seem to be directed as an alternative to faithfulness. Amen. That we're living in is that it cannot love. It don't know how. It's a do-it-all lifestyle that removes love and puts sexual gratification or lust in its place. And the whole meaning of the word has been changed. I mean, you listen to them talk. And I deal a lot with with young people. You listen to them talk. I'm in love with so-and-so. Is there a deep commitment, sir? Or is it just a feeling that will soon go away whenever the bases come, when the hardships come, when finances are not there, when you you begin to lose uh, your femininity, so to speak, or your beauty, when wrinkles begin to come in your face and gray hair begins to come, or your hair starts to fall out, Amen. Or you put on a few pounds. Is there enough deep commitment inside there to say, I take them for many or for worse. Come on. And tell them world what you do. And stand. Well, glory. That's love. Yes. And nothing short of that is going to do it. That's right. I suppose this generation, this is by word with them. I'm coming down hard on this generation, but... Uh, I'm not going to talk tonight about what produced this generation. <laughs> Something produced it, but we're going to leave that alone for now, and we're going to talk about this generation. What produced this generation was the generation before it. So that might land in the laps of some of us. But It talks more about going all the way than any other generation I've ever known, and yet it probably knows less about what going all the way means. I mean, let me show you by the Scripture what going all the way means. The prodigal son left home, dissatisfied, arrogant, and rebellious. Decided that what was coming to him, he wanted it now. And he was going to have it now. His father wouldn't have had, by law, to give it to him. And I'm sure he sat down and went went over the rights and wrongs of it, and sat down and tried to deter him from taking what he had, because the father knew inside that he wasn't capable of handling it. That's why he didn't have it to start with. A lot of you young people that don't get what you want. It's because mom and dad knows you can't handle it to start with. That's right. Amen. If mom and dad knows that, you might take a good lesson from the prodigal son. If dad had sat him down and said, you're not getting it. If you're going to leave, you're going to leave without your inheritance. He would have probably stayed right there. Come on. Or just saw it up a little bit. He'd, he'd have got the poot's <laughs> mouth, you know. this lip would have stuck out because he didn't get what he wanted. But maybe he would have learned his lesson. But anyway... He was arrogant, he was rebellious, he said, I want what's mine, I want it now. And he goes into a far country and wasted his money on riotous living, disgraced his family's name, and he ended up in a pig pen, from the king's house to a pig pen. And years later, he woke up and decided that he was dirty, he was this evil, that, that he was eating husk and that pigs was going to eat, and his father's servants had better than him, and he made his way home. I there's a scripture that says, while he was a great way off, his father saw him. And as he returned home, headed toward home, the thing I like about it is that his father rose up and went out there to meet him. Yes. He wouldn't let him come in that gate by himself. He wouldn't let him stand and be ashamed by himself. He wouldn't let him just come in and fall down in his feet. He just... Gathered up his robes and tucked them underneath him and ran out. How far I oh, don't know. And he ran out to meet that prodigal son. And he threw his arms around him. And he said, We're gonna have a peace. Brother, that's going all the way. And very few of hey, us hey. know how to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, My son was lost and he's found. Yes. My son, which was dead, is alive. Bring forth a new robe. <laughs> not going to let him be a servant. That's all he wants to be. And I'm not going to let him be a servant. He's my son. Bring on a robe and put a, put a ring on his finger, which is a signet of authority, and put shoes on his feet. Servants didn't wear shoes. Right. And he said, I'm going to have him be a son. He's not going to be a servant. Right. And that's going all the way. He didn't deserve it. And Almighty God in his essence knew we didn't deserve it. And his blood cleansed us and made us whole and made us holy. And he invites us into his That's going all the way. I mean, that's really going all the way. Love's willing to pay a high price. It does what's right rather than what's convenient. A lot of homes are wrecked because it wants to do what's convenient. The Bible says love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. Another story, paraphrasing it. Jose the prophet, in his writings, married a very beautiful young lady. Not long after he married her, she started running around. She bared children by other men, and she sold her body for gain. As she grew old, the men lost interest in her body. They wanted younger women. Since she had no trade whatsoever, she ended up in the slave market. As she stood there, she didn't stand erect as she usually does on the auction block to display her form because she was old and she had none. She was slumped and she was dejected and she covered her face or covered her face to hide her shame. And she cried, Oh God, I never thought it would end like this. It seemed so much fun and now nobody wants me and I'm being sold like an animal from the auction block and nobody cares then as the auction began she heard a familiar voice one she hadn't heard for quite some time but someone was offering a bid someone else offered one and this familiar voice offered one higher and finally there was no one that could match the bid and the auctioneer said so she brushed her hair back from her eyes wiped her tears from her eyes and she saw Jose counting the money out for her freedom. He put his arms around her, and Jose took her home. That's going all the way, for him. That's love in spirit sense, and that's symbolic of God and of yes. His chosen. Yes. Oft times we're wayward. Oft times we're unseemly. Oft times we're not careful. We're committing spiritual adultery. And when we're just dejected and down and we can't go any farther and being sold by the powers of hell and auctioned off, we'll hear a familiar voice of Almighty God as he bids smart? and he gives the highest number. He gives the blood of his only begotten son. And the auctioneer says, sold. And he comes and he puts his arms around us and his cloak around us and clothes us and says, come on, child, let's go back home. Right. Friend, that's going home. For me, I sold out to the world. I went away from him. He loved me and I went away from him. I committed adultery with the world, so to speak. And friend, I was down, I was lonely, I was despairing. My spirit was dejected. My body was had uh, unto death, and I couldn't go any farther. And I thought the same thing, oh God, it looked so beautiful out there. I didn't take it always in like this. What am I going to do? And then I heard somebody say, Your soul, you belong to Christ Jesus. He bought you, and he paid for you. And then I felt somebody a over on me. Hallelujah. And he up my hand and my face and said, Come on, son, you're going to go home. Hallelujah. And I've been home for some several years right now. And I want to stay home. Then he went all the way for me. And I can't do anything less for him. I want to go all the way with him. Because that's love. And that's love in his sits. Can you just wave your hand Woo, and say thank you, Jesus, Lord, thank you for Jesus going all the way with me. Shalallah Blessed be the Lord, Gosh, Jesus, Alleluia. Alleluia. You, Jesus, you, Lord. God of Israel. Who give us all can take us nothing. Hallelujah, we love you tonight. Jesus, we love you tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, God. Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not a Woo. physical attraction for someone that has a lovely face or form. It's not something that we discard when someone more attractive comes along or something that turns off when the going gets tough. Not a fleeting passion that lasts just for a, for a moment. Love is a deliberate choice. Mm-hmm. Friend, I made a deliberate choice when I made it for Christ. He made the choice mm-hmm. believe me 2,000 years ago. I don't know whether you believe it or not, but He's standing there no, on that cross, saw you 2,000 years later, knew you by name, and knew He was dying for you. And He made the choice to die. He didn't have to. And one day I made the choice be his. I didn't have to. The world still beckoned. It was there. I didn't have to make the choice. I didn't look beautiful whenever everything else had been turned down. And he's, his love was there. And everything else turned off. You see, the devil after he uses you and after He abuses you. And after He mutilates you. And after He can't get any more good out of you. He'll just scope you into the pig pen. And into the sty, And He'll walk on you. And He'll leave you there. And then that's when Jesus steps in. He likes you just the way you are. He says, come to me the way you are. That's the way I want you. And friend, we need to do that. And He's asking us to do that tonight. I want you like you are. Don't worry about changing before you come to Him. Come to him and let Him change you. Hallelujah. Glory to God, I, I love him for that. I appreciate him for that. Hallelujah, he didn't turn his back on me. Just like old Jose saw what his wife had done, knew really she wasn't, she knew what she was, knew she was a slut, knew she was a prostitute. But see, he made a deep commitment. He had love. He didn't turn off. And he, and he her. Just like Jesus did me. And just like he did you, love's a co- deliberate choice, a commitment of the will, a commitment to survive the test, completely different from that which is portrayed by the entertainment industry. Love's a beautiful thing, and it's the foundation of every stable society, and it needs to be guarded, and it needs to be protected tenaciously against every effort to cheapen it by those who don't even know what the word really means. In closing, Proverbs 10, 12 said, Love covereth all sins. Songs of Solomon 8, 6 said, Love is strongest death. Hallelujah. And what what does it mean by that? It means love goes to the grave and on the other side of the grave and brings you out of it. It's the strongest death. Romans 13, 10, 10 says, Love worketh no ill. 1 John 4.18 said, there's no fear in love. And last but not least, Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. You see, he was making a plea then, I suppose. What I'm sure by revelation he knew was going to happen to the church of God. He knew it was going to be splintered by rituals. Splintered by doctrinal points. Splintered by isms and schisms my man's ideas and opinions and I'm sure he must have through revelation saw millions of names posted over places and houses all types of denominations that had their headquarters every place else and yet in spite of all that he said the only way that you can ever overcome that and keep it from happening is don't let love work any ill let brotherly love right. continue let okay. it move don't let anything stop love as it emits from you, but sad as it might be, and sad as it might seem, love has took a back seat to what we deem is truth. Everybody believes they got the truth. I mean, they're fools if they don't. There's something wrong with them. But love has took a back seat to what we deem our doctrine. Trying to have a doctrine and believe, search the Bible mind. When our doctrine gets in the way of love. When it stands in front of that, then we're left with nothing but just doctrine. We're left with truth but no spirit. And the Bible tells us we have to have both to be effective. There's no answer to the dilemma of the splendid church but love. That's the only thing that's going to answer it. It's the only thing that's going to gather His people together. And it's the only thing That's going to let the world point a finger and say, there's a disciple of Christ. Because they love one another. Just like Christ loved us. I sit down and I contemplate that. That's beyond me. I sit in my flesh and I thank God I couldn't suffer. I couldn't die. By myself I couldn't. But when we're faced with the issue of suffering, then if we love, we just suffer. If we're faced with the issue of just leaving off what we deem as as necessities and yet they're not, when we're faced with that issue, if we love, we just leave it off. Whatever issue we're faced with, if we love, we leave that behind. We walk in the presence of God. That's love. Oftentimes we sit, dwell in our own senior houses, the house of God lies wish, and we do our own thing when we want to, the way we want to. And yet some way somehow wonder, as we're wandering in the miseries of midnight and the shadows of darkness, we wonder, Lord, what's the matter with us? What's the matter with us is this. We haven't made a deep, deep one that'll see us through the test one that when love demands we give asking no questions wanting nothing in return we just give just me if you come for a few moments we're going to ask you to stand with us i'm not going to ask you to the altar you can come if you want to but i'm going to ask you to face the real issue Realize what Christ has done for you. And ask yourself how many times you've spit in his face. stomped on his toes. And walk away from him. Thank you.